0: It is transfer portal season. Lots of names out there for the Ducks. But Kansas State's Kobe Savage, that would be a really good addition for Oregon. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks. Your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe. Rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepickscom slash locked on. Use code locked on for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. So, Oregon's going after Kansas State's Kobe Savage. Now, Matt Zanitz of 24-7 Sports reported that that is a likely occurrence He has not officially committed yet, but it looks like he is going to. Running back Jay Harris from Northwest Missouri State did. I'm going to talk about him more on uh, tomorrow's show because we got a few things to catch up on first. But Savage is a guy that Oregon would really love to get. So safety is a position that Oregon needs to fill in the portal right now. And there are guys waiting in the wings that could be good players. Your Cody DeCambra's Tyler turners, Aaron flowers coming in as a true freshman with a lot of accolades out of high school. But Kobe Savage is exactly the sort of guy that you want to add in the portal for a unit that lost two starters this year and another consistent contributor, Steve Stevens and Evan Williams. Williams was uh, an all conference performer this year. Stevens is just, you know, a a real solid veteran. Nothing exceptional, but it's been really solid for the Ducks the last few seasons. Damon David was a guy who, you know, former four star recruit, didn't play a lot, mostly mop up duty, could have been poised for a jump. He's in the transfer portal. Brian Addison started last year, played less this year. He's in the transfer portal. So that's four names from one position group that Oregon has lost. And Kobe Savage is a guy who fills an immediate need because of all of those losses. And I think that you know the safety position is one that Oregon got better production out of this year. I think there can still be more. And, and Savage is a guy who plays at a high level. So each of the last two years, he has been an all-Big 12 conference selection. Now, is a defensive selection out of the Big 12 worth as much as a defensive all-conference selection in the SEC? No, probably not. Is it still a sign that he's a good player? Yes. I mean, you look at what Evan Williams did this year. I know he had you know, the moment against uh, Washington and Seattle where he wasn't in a great spot, but Evan Williams had a great season for Oregon. He was an all-conference guy out of the Mountain West. And so I know that Oregon fans have a tendency, rightfully so, to get enamored with the idea of adding SEC transfers. But I think that Savage is a guy who fills an immediate need for the Ducks, is a high-level player, is a proven player, and even if young guys get worked in, this is a move that makes a lot of sense. Now, again, nothing is official yet, but everything tends to be moving in that direction or is trending in that in that direction. You have the report from Matt Zenitz. Uh, I, I've heard from some other people that, that this move is going to happen as well. So when that becomes official, I think that'll be a good thing for the Ducks. Maybe they're waiting for National Signing Day and such, but... I heard a stat from uh, Josh pay recently on his show. He said that of the top like 250 or top 100, 150 players in the country or something like that, 95% have already verbally committed. So national signing day, I think is going to be as much about the transfers that you land and the flips that you make as it is about landing more recruits. I, I mean, I talked last week on the show, you know, with Brian Smith that, Hey, I think Oregon's recruiting class is basically full up and, and, it kind of feels like it is. It's just going to be about preventing kids from getting flipped, maybe getting flipped or maybe flipping a a couple other kids, but I, I don't think there are going to be a ton of big moves. It'll be about who signs their national letter of intent and who doesn't, you know, Luke Moga is going to sign his on Wednesday. And then I think start practicing with the ducks, which I think is fantastic, especially for a guy who's playing quarterback. So I think that it's going to be about the transfers as much as it is about the, the high school kids. And it's a great time to remind you that the schedule in college football is completely backwards, broken, out of sorts, ridiculous, absurd, puts too much stress on coaches and staffs. Like right now, coaches are simultaneously managing a high school recruiting class, transfers, and bowl game preparation. There, there, there is no inherent logic to any of that anywhere at all whatsoever. I, I just, I cannot get behind where we're at with the sport in which all these things are happening. The early signing window is ridiculous. The portal window being during the season, I am not a fan of just there, there, there are reasons for it, but they are not good enough reasons. And it's not healthy for, for the sport in my view. So Kobe Savage is, is certainly a name to watch. And uh, the duck that Dan Lanning tweeted out earlier It was not for Dante Moore. It was not for Kobe Savage, though those are both trending in Oregon's direction, Dante Moore included, most definitely. Savage is more of a lock, but Oregon is seen, I think, in some circles as the leader for Dante Moore, and I wouldn't complain about that whatsoever, as I've talked about here on the show and can talk about again if and hopefully when that move comes to fruition. So Oregon's looking like they're going to add a couple of different pieces here. Savage should be one of them. Another name to watch for in the portal is uh, Michigan State defensive tackle transfer Derek Harmon. So he posted an Instagram story of you know a photo on a visit with the Ducks, with Dan Lanning, and Walter Nolan has long been an Oregon target. He's the top player in the transfer portal on 24-7 sports. He was the number one defensive lineman back in the class of 2022. I I think he was part of that big class for Texas A&M, and that, of course, didn't pan out, and those guys have been dispersing all over the country. This is now where Oregon's focus may need to be because Walter Nolan has been getting a lot of crystal balls to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin's doing a heck of a job in the portal right now. And if Walter Nolan does go there defensive line on the interior specifically is another need for the Ducks. So I think for that position group, and if you have any questions about this stuff, by all means, YouTube comments, or you can go on X, formerly known as Twitter, or you can be a priority mailbag person over at Subtext if you join below. I think that for Oregon, on the interior of the defensive line, you're going to need a couple of the current redshirt freshmen to, to step up, and I think they will. Which ones? We don't really know, right? Amari Washington, I think, is... Someone I'd feel fairly confident about, but between Bowens and Porter and Mikhail Gardner, and like there are just a lot of names from that class. You know, Oregon had 10 defensive linemen, three of them played this year Mateo Uyongole, Blake Purchase, and Tatum Tuioti. Those were all, you know, starting or high rotation volume guys. On the interior, you're losing Brandon Dorlis, Pobo Amavai, Taki Taimani, Casey Rogers. That's a lot. That like that is that is just a lot. We don't know yet if Jordan Birch is coming back. I very much hope that he does. And that'd be a big boon to Oregon's defensive line. For sure. He can play inside and you know is of course most suited on the edge, but I think you got to have at least one experienced guy. And I fully expect you know a combination of you know those interior defensive linemen. I mentioned that we're all four-star recruits last year, and Aiden Breland, the incoming five-star true freshman, Elijah Rushing. I suspect they will all play roles on Oregon's defense next year. I do think you want to have at least one, if not two or three guys that are experienced and established and are not, you know, kind of still learning the position and finding their footing in in the college football realm. So if Walter Nolan does end up going to Ole Miss, which is how it's looking, but hey, nothing's over till it's over. Michigan State defensive tackle transfer Derek Harmon, who's a big guy and definitely plays uh, between the tackles, lines up over a guard or a center. I, I think that is, that is an option that Oregon should uh, and definitely will pursue. They're going after a, a bevy, a bevy of players in in the transfer portal and on the high school front as well. Does that change when the Ducks go to the Big Ten? Everything changes, but like in a good way when you check out eBay Motors, because uh, passion, drive, patience, what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts, which is a lot. There aren't that many players in the portal, by the way. There's even more parts at eBay Motors. How about that? With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's really easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So, Oregon is going to the Big Ten, and this is the first class that you know Oregon's going to be able to make that pitch where you're going to have players where you're saying, Hey, come play for Oregon, newest member of the Big Ten. Doesn't sound right, does it? That's because it's not right. It's wrong and terrible, and I don't like it. I'm going to root for the ducks no matter what. Always have, always will. It's wrong. It's no good. Could there be benefits? Yeah, sure. But did we need to get to this spot? No, uh, not particularly. But that led to a question from Bud via the subtext mailbag, which is the best way to get priority access It's just $5 a month after a free 14-day trial. No penalty to unsubscribe if you decide you don't want it, but you can talk with me one-on-one. You can get all my instant reactions and breaking news and thoughts and intel and everything that I'm hearing over there if you go to subtext and become a Locked on Ducks insider. If you want to drop a mailbag question the old-fashioned way, YouTube comments or X, formerly known as Twitter, at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. This question from Bud, who gets priority mailbag access Via subtext, as promised. Oregon is known for recruiting nationally, particularly in football and basketball. Fact check true. In 2024 and beyond, with the Ducks no longer in the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten, which states will get even more recruiting focus and which ones less, given the greater TV exposure and the change in playing locales. I'm gonna ask Brian about this later this week as well, but my thoughts go something like this. I don't think it changes at all. Think about who Oregon has gone up against for big time players like a flip candidate on national signing day at receiver with the uh, couple of losses Oregon has had there. And, you know, Dylan Gresham is still committed to the ducks verbally right now. Jeremiah McClellan he's a current Ohio state commit. I would watch for that one to see if he ends up flipping to the ducks. How many times has Oregon gone up against Ohio state for the same kids? Pretty often. How many times has Oregon gone up against USC for the same kids? Yeah. Pretty often. How many times has Oregon gone up against other big time programs across the country? You know, uh, a Washington or an Alabama or a Penn State, like whoever it may be. I don't think the brand of Oregon changes much in the Big Ten from a recruiting standpoint. Maybe you see a little bit more exposure out in the Midwest, but where are the best kids in college football coming from? Well, the biggest recruiting states in no particular order are California, Texas and Florida. And there's not a lot of kids in the state of Oregon, but Arizona's got a really good footprint. And Washington has a growing number of blue chip recruits every year. Utah, we've had great success recruiting Utah. You look at the Sewell brothers, Jackson Powers Johnson, Jeffrey Bossa, all from the state of Utah, all really good players for the Ducks. So I don't think it changes a whole heck of a lot because like what Big Ten footprint state does Oregon really want to get a foothold in? I mean, Michigan maybe, but Oregon had Dante more committed. and might be getting it back here shortly. I think the ducks are already able to recruit nationally and does it provide a big boost? I I mean, it could provide a boost being in the big 10 rather than being in, you know, a pac 10 without USC and UCLA. Not that UCLA has ever been a football power because they haven't, nor was USC in the conference. If we're being honest, because USC won the conference one time when it expanded to 12 teams. So, I I don't see it changing a ton. Like, it doesn't hurt, right? It can only help. I just don't think that that is what is, you know, separating Oregon and Georgia is the Ducks playing in the Big Ten. Like, Georgia and Alabama can recruit at a higher level or Texas or places like that because they're also big brands. And they're in the southern part of the country. And Oregon always has an uphill battle to recruit those sorts of players, but they're capable of doing so. And I fully expect them to continue that. I don't think that much changes. I don't think we're suddenly going to have, you know, half a dozen players every year from the Midwest, whereas, you know, right now we only have a a couple every now and then. Like, Oregon's still going to focus on California. Oregon's still going to go into Texas a lot. Oregon's still going to hit Arizona, Washington, Utah pretty hard. And every now and then they'll pull a kid from the East Coast. I think that stays pretty much the same. Good question, though. This is another one from Subtext. Question for you, sir. What is stopping the richest football programs like Texas, Texas A&M, or even Oregon from offering the top 25 recruits and the top 25 transfer players NIL deals so big they can't refuse it and they completely take over the top players? NIL currently has no spending limits, no restrictions, no guardrails. It's just a matter of time before one or two teams decide to just dominate every top player. Interesting question here, friend. Let's dive into it. What about the current college football world makes you think that this isn't happening already? Because there are no restrictions on spending from the NCAA on NIL. That is true. You know what? There are restrictions on how much money even schools like Alabama or Georgia have in their NIL coffers, how much they've got in the bank. And Every program has to decide what a kid is actually worth to them with an NIL deal that they're willing to offer because you only have so much money. And here's the thing. Your point about, well, you know, the top teams are just going to dominate. That's what college football has always been, just to be clear. Now, when teams have a coaching change, make the wrong hire, they can fall out of favor. You look at Miami, Nebraska. They were once great. They no longer are even close to that nor have they been for a long, long time. But Miami and Nebraska, once upon a time, were at the very top of the sport. And one day, Alabama is not going to be at the top of the sport. It's hard to imagine. And as long as Saban is there, they'll be fine. But Alabama is not always going to be what they've been for the last 10, 15 years. They'll continue it, but 30 years from now, I'd be surprised if Alabama is still on top of the sport. It never lasts as long as you'd think. So your point about the offer is like, what's to the stop them from going and offering – They all have offer sheets that look really similar. The top 10, 15, 20 players, the top 20 players in the country, Oregon's offered most of them. Getting on a kid's radar is about more than NIL for some of them. For some of them, that's all they care about now. And they just make that decision based on finances, which I don't think is in their best interests to do so. But I understand why they are coming from that particular perspective sometimes. So I get that. But for those kids, if you know Oregon offers you an NIL deal of you know $100,000 and Alabama is able to offer you that as well, well, now how are you going to decide? Are you going to say, well, which one of you is willing to up the ante on, on NIL? Yeah, some kids are absolutely doing that. But those kids who are the top recruits have always been highly coveted and are getting ridiculous offers that to some people seem impossible to refuse, but they're actually not. Because they have other offers of a similar caliber, right? Alabama is making a strong financial pitch for a kid. So's Oregon. So's Ohio State. So's Michigan. So's Florida State. So's Texas. Everybody is making that. You have to find other ways to differentiate yourself. And I think that comes down to the relationship you can establish between a kid and a coaching staff or a particular assistant or maybe the head coach. So, you know. Every team, including Alabama and Georgia, would love to just go get the top 20, 25 players. And they've got the money to pay them all in NIL, you know, as much as they could get anywhere else. But guess what? There are a lot of factors that go into a kid's recruitment. And just saying, well, I'm, you know, let's just go build the super team and whatnot. It sounds easy in theory, but there are so many schools and so many programs that can make a variety of pitches and there's so many factors in play. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have it play out like that. You do have teams that dominate in recruiting, but you're not going to be able to get the top 20 players because guess what? There are a lot of other teams that can make a strong pitch. There are a lot of other teams that have great NIL opportunities for kids to, to utilize. So that's why, you know, Texas A&M, for instance, even though they brought it. And here's the other thing. You could go get all the highly recruited kids that you want. Oregon's out-recruited Washington the last couple of years. Guess what? Ducks are 0-3 in the last three matchups. 0 I've lost by three points each time, as we all know. But it does not always come down to recruiting, which is important. It is not everything. So, I think that for the Ducks, they're going to be able to continue to recruit just fine. Everyone else is going to keep the same philosophy. And you know, for your, your notion of like, well, why? What's stopping from going out to doing it? They're trying to get all the top kids they can. There are just so many programs in so many different conferences that want to get those kids. It's not as easy as, hey, we're Alabama, here's an NIL offer, come sign with us. Bama's got to work to recruit kids too. Georgia's got to work to recruit kids too. They work a lot harder. Their on-field success makes it easier. But it's not as easy as, hey, we're this team offering you, and we're the only big time team that you could possibly want to go to play for. There's playing time factors, proximity to home, relationship with coaches. You know, there could be a school component as well for some of these kids. Certainly not qu- quite as many. I think that you know have NFL aspirations, but ability to get players to the NFL, it all comes into play, and that's why it doesn't, uh, why it doesn't go like that. But good question, and we got more to get to. The mailbag is just jam-packed, and I am here for it. Tightly packed, like, as my statement expressed, jam into a mason jar. Homemade, maybe like a little Oregon Blackberry jam. That's where I'm recording today's show from, by the way. I'm sure those of you on YouTube have noticed that I'm not in uh, my normal setup. I am uh, in the great state of Oregon for uh, we had a family holiday Christmas party, so I'm staying with my grandparents for uh, a couple days. Hence the room, and I'm sure some of you, perhaps even picked up on that based on the pillow that's right there in the corner. So that is indeed uh, where I am. First time I've ever done a show from here. Have not done that before. New environment. Hopefully it's going well for you on the other end. Three questions to wrap up today's show, Spencer. Maybe it's too late for this question, but if you that's me. We're putting together a college football team. Would you take Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels, Cam Ward, Caleb Williams, or Dylan Gabriel? Note, I did not say best for the current Duck team. This is you starting a new team and your first player is the quarterback. Who would you want to build a team around? This is a great question. I'm. You can make a case for... I don't know that you could make a case... For taking uh, Dylan Gabriel or Cam Ward over the other guys, this may not be as popular in Oregon circles. I would go with Caleb Williams. I I think that that guy's talent is just so immense, and I love Bo Nix and what he can do. But if I were starting a team, the sort of offense that I would you know want to run if I were a head football coach. Caleb Williams can do everything that Bo Nix can, and as if he had, you know, the coaching that Bo Nix had, and I think Caleb Williams had some, uh, some great coaching with Lincoln Riley over at USC. But if you put Caleb Williams in Will Stein's offense this past year, I think he puts up perhaps even better numbers. Now he has some different characteristics, like he doesn't protect the ball as well as Bo Nix. Imagine saying that statement in 2021 a potential number one overall pick in the nfl draft doesn't protect the ball as well as bo nicks oh how times can change but that's kind of my point just because a guy has been one thing at his current stop does not mean he's always destined to be that and i think that caleb williams was running around a lot this year his offensive line like low-key stunk and he was under duress. His defense was horrible. They didn't play complimentary football and he suffered from Superman syndrome. He was trying too hard to make a bunch of plays because he had to, because the rest of the team was terrible. If you took U- Caleb Williams off that USC team, they're under 500, 1000%. So uh, I, I I'd have Caleb Williams up there very high. I would go Bo Nix for the mobility component over uh, Penix. I'd probably go. Penix or Daniels. It depends on who my offensive coordinator is, but yeah, I, I, would go with Caleb Williams. Uh, he, he'd, he he'd be my first pick among that group. All, you know, you can build a great team around any of those guys, but Caleb would be my, my number one. Monica asks, hi, Spence. May I call you Spence? You absolutely can. I have gone by many a nicknames over the years in my life. Smalls of course, being one of them uh, amongst my friends, I rarely go by Spencer. Uh, actually. So I consider you my friends. So you, of course, might call me Spence. I'm wondering about Patrick Herbert. Will he be playing this upcoming season daily reader slash go ducks? Well, first of all, Monica, very much appreciate you out there. Second of all, I fully expect Patrick Herbert to be back next year. So he played a little bit as a sophomore was kind of the number four tight end and the ducks needed him to take a big jump this year. And he did. So he just wrapped up his junior season. He's got one more year of eligibility. I do not believe he's going to the NFL. And the need for Oregon to potentially add a transfer at tight end, I think is dependent upon what Terrence Ferguson does. Because if T-Ferg decides to go to the NFL, a transfer tight end could be prudent, though not vital. I thought that Herbert looked as healthy as he ever has and as physically capable as he has in his Oregon career the entire season. He had some great blocks. He's a great pass catcher. I love having Patrick Herbert there. I am very high on Kenyon Sadiq. If you're talking about pop players from the 2023 class for next year, Kenyon Sadiq would be one of my picks. If our top two tight ends are Patrick Herbert and Kenyon Sadiq, I don't think that that is an insufficient tight end room at all. I think you've got an experienced veteran, and you've got a promising young up and comer and Herbert is not as big of an NFL prospect as Terrence Ferguson is. We haven't heard from T Ferg. So right now it looks like he'd come back. And if you had those three with Casey Kelly, like run it back with a tight end room, I'd be really good with that. But I expect Patrick Herbert to return. I I don't think he'd go in the transfer portal and, you know, given the, the increased role he had this year, like there were, there were, you know, tight end screens that were drawn up specifically for him. Uh, I, I think he's got a good role. I think he's a good player, and I take it back next year, and I think he will be back uh, next year for the Ducks, no matter what uh, Terrence Ferguson does. Last one. This question was before uh, the announcement, but there was something I wanted to add to it. Do you think there's a chance Troy Franklin might come back? Seems like he's definitely considering it because he hasn't declared either way yet, which is weird. I agree it was weird. He has since declared for the NFL draft, which is to be expected. I don't know if he's playing in the bowl game. I know that Bucky Irving is. I don't think that Troy Franklin and Jackson Powers Johnson are, which is okay because I think it's going to be fun to watch some guys have, you know, an opportunity that they wouldn't otherwise have gotten to take the field and, you know, show what they could do next season for the Ducks. But I'm waiting on Tez Johnson in a big way because Gary Bryant Jr., Treshawn Holden, you know, they haven't announced anything about the transfer portal, if they come back, I think they could be poised for increased roles. But Tez Johnson, I would really love to have back that like a possession receiver on third down. You know, it was it was uh Bob Stoops's son over at Oklahoma for Dylan Gabriel that he'd go to all the time. And Tez Johnson is a better player than him. And I think that having that guy for a new quarterback coming in and learning a new system and you know trying to, to get acclimated and such. I think that Tez Johnson is really good and we know that he's explosive. I mean, he's a thousand yard receiver this year. I would really love to have him back. And I never expected Franklin to return because he's ready to go to the NFL right here, right now. Gosh, I hope he ends up on the chiefs. He he would be perfect for the Kansas city chiefs, but he can succeed in a number of places. I think that Tez Johnson coming back would be really big for the wide receiver room, that position group is a real wild card going forward. Oregon was going after, uh, I think it was Colin Lacey is the kid's name from South Alabama. He ended up going to Louisville instead with former Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck. No one from the receiver room has come in or really gone out in a significant way. Like Josh Delgado, who's you know a special teams guy, uh, he transferred out. But uh, I, I think that for wide receiver, I don't think Oregon needs to add a transfer. I could see them doing so. But I, I like the wide receivers, and I like the guys that are waiting in the wings. And I think that Ashton Cozart decided to leave. He transferred to SMU. I think he decided to leave because he read the room and went, yeah, I don't have a path to playing time here because there are a lot of good guys on that depth chart. So we'll see if anybody transfers out after the bowl game. But as of now, Oregon's receiver room is looking pretty steady. I think Tez Johnson is, is the big name to watch to see if he tries his luck in the NFL draft. Appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate you being patient as well. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.